0: Welcome to Raising Up Cops, the podcast about raising Coptic kids in Western culture. My name is Laura, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Madonna. Hi, Hi,
1: everyone. (laughs) So today we uh, actually, Laura, found this really amazing article um, by The Atlantic called Why American Teens Are So Sad. If you get a chance to read this article, I think we highly recommend it but it is a very loaded article with lots to unpack. But there's one part in particular that Laura and I specifically both like felt like stood out in the article. Laura, what was that?
0: Yeah, it was this part about accommodative parenting. And I'm just gonna kind of quote, I'll, I'll quote the article from a screenshot Madonna sent me. If a girl is afraid of dogs, an accommodation would be keeping her away from every friend's house with a dog. Or if a boy won't eat vegetables, Feeding him nothing but turkey loaf for four years. These behaviors come from love. That sounds awfully familiar.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, it really does. And it was interesting that one of the um, one of the examples given were a person being afraid of a dog. Now, some people would think when it's a phobia, when it's like a fear. It would not be accommodative parenting to help them avoid that fear. And yet they mentioned it as an example of this. What do you think about that?
0: Well, I think it's, we know that even with a phobia, that the cure for a phobia is repeated exposure, right? I mean, I think mm-hmm. that is what you're supposed to do is small, repeated exposure. Um, and I know like my kids both went through periods. Oh, my Everybody in this house, except for me, is terrified of dogs. <laughs> <laughs> from the grandparents to Abuna. Wow. <laughs> Nobody likes dogs. I mean, Abuna had a very traumatic incident as a young man. So, but, but every house has a dog and Abuna. And when he takes the kids with him to visits, every house has a dog. So they yeah. have had repeated exposure unwittingly, unwillingly to dogs yes. over the years. Um, and we never said, well, we're not going to visit that house or like, yes, sometimes they'll put the dog away, especially because all dogs by nature are very hyperactive the first five minutes of new people in the house. But normally at this point, it, they, they have all, everyone, grown accustomed to the idea of, you know, that dogs exist and they hang around and the dogs really love, especially people that are afraid of them. Like they really <laughs> love to come and sit at the feet of
1: the. Mother. Yes, they will <laughs> tune into those, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which is why I never get any puppy love, but it's okay. <laughs> I should
1: have been more scared. So, Lara, it's a unique situation that you're experiencing because they didn't have a choice. Like, there's no option of just being like, I'm not going to be a part of that. Right. But you still got the desired result, which is no longer a huge fear of these animals. So there is some uh, like weight to that idea.
0: Of repeated exposure. Of repeated exposure. And I think the thing is.
1: ah, okay.
0: The thing about fears, anxiety that leads back to accommodations is there's a difference between things that you should be afraid of and things that you shouldn't be afraid of, like things that are Mm -hmm. always scary and things that are not always scary. And I think that, you know, this wouldn't work if it said the girl is afraid of tightrope walking. We're not going to expose, you know, like (laughs) it's really okay to not want to walk on it. Like it's not going to affect your life. But I think when it's something that, okay, like lots of people have dogs, like you're going to run into a dog. We can't cripple ourselves, right. For the sake of the dog situation. Right. right. Um, the, okay. So I know this is a, a kind of tangential, but I also, cause we didn't talk about this before, but this reminds me of when a couple of months ago it came out and for me, it was like, aha, um, that trigger warnings make people more
1: triggered. Did you see that, um, piece of news. No, I haven't seen it, but I completely can see that. Yeah. Like for me, a trigger warning
0: makes me afraid. I don't, haven't even seen the thing that I'm going to be seeing.
1: (laughs) So for those who don't know what a trigger warning is, like, you mean like at the beginning of a video or beginning of an article or beginning of like some post, they'll put trigger warnings, say like suicide or something like that. And then the article will talk about somebody that attempted and whatever. Yes. So then you see that trigger warning and then you're alerted to being afraid. Yes. You Your are body alerted is instantly to being on
0: high alert, even though maybe you could have read the article and been okay. You would have been
1: fine. You know. Yes. Yes. I could totally see so, that. Okay. Anyway, so this actually yeah. brings me to a question about this accommodative parenting. So I think that there's some situations that are pretty cut and dry that it is accommodative parenting. For example, my child didn't get enough sleep. So she skipped ballet today or something. For me, I think that that is like, yes, sometimes you got to do stuff without enough sleep. Like that's just kind of how you got to function. All right. There's going to be many days where you don't get your eight hours of perfect beauty sleep. You're going to have to do it. Now, I'm going to explain a situation that somebody just told me about. And I want you to tell me if you think that this would be accommodative. There is a specific uh, church event that's going to be taking place. And this person doesn't like to go to these events because the the kids are usually very rowdy, disruptive, a little bit chaotic, crazy, all these things. And this kid comes back from these events defeated. Like, I did not like being in that situation. I do not like being in that environment. These kids are wild. Do you think it's accommodative to then tell the kid, okay, you no longer have to go to these events? Or do you think that that is listening to the child's discomfort and saying that actually is fine. You shouldn't have to go.
0: So again, I think this goes back to how it affects their quality of life. So if we're talking about like, I don't want to go to Sunday school because so-and-so is annoying, you know, then I'm sorry, you're going to Sunday school. Right. Or like, I want to skip liturgy because I don't know, think of the 10,000 reasons kids come up with to skip liturgy. Um, it's okay if like once we skip liturgy or there's a reason and we skip liturgy or we're exhausted, but like making sure that we're keeping that baseline of like, no, we are a family that goes to church every week. Like we're keeping that up. Um, But if it's something that's really optional, like a social event, you know, then it's, it's okay to, to say like, okay, you don't have to go this time. Let's try again in another Mm. couple of months. You know, I, I feel like, I feel like it kind of depends. Um, on what effect it has on this person's quality of life.
1: So let's actually go back and explain what the article says is the effect of accommodative parenting. Let's do it. Right? So one of the things that it says is um, when you are an accommodative parent, you are not allowing your children to experience two very important things. One, the ability to tolerate discomfort. And two, their sense of personal competence which I thought was really important. Being able to tolerate discomfort, like get comfortable with being uncomfortable, and then a sense of personal competence, which is I can do hard things. Like I can do things that are not necessarily my cup of tea, or I can do things that are a challenge to me. That I thought were really important outcomes that I would want for my children. So if I know that accommodative parenting leads to a lack of those things, then I know I don't want to do that. Okay. So, but let me give you another example of a situation. You tell me what you think. This one's a little bit more, um, what's the word when, why can't I think of an English word? (laughs) Okay. This one's a little bit more, uh, when whatever. Okay. So there is, say for example, a girl has just started experiencing her period. Okay. We know that at the beginning, you it is very irregular it can be very painful it's a very you know unnatural feeling for somebody that is starting to experience this would you allow them to skip school
0: I would not I would absolutely not (laughs) really (laughs) because you have to go to work you have to you have like you have to learn to have a pad you have to have that incident where like okay like you bleed through your clothes and mom has to bring you extra clothes like that's like that's like life experiences. It's like, that's life. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that's really something maybe because, but no, I mean, like I've had, I mean, I've thrown up in other people's cars from period pain. Like, I, like really? Like, yes. <laughs> these poor people who want us their car.
1: <laughs> I remembered the word I wanted to say is this one would be more controversial. That was, I couldn't think of the English word.
0: <laughs> no, because I don't want her to do that. Like she's going to have to go to work. On her period she's gonna have to go to you know like she has to she she has to <laughs> so this know. is actually
1: the reason I brought it up is because my friend um her her tech at her um company comes to work on her period and then wants to leave she's like a 20 something year old and she asks to leave every time and they're always left in alert at work because the person that's supposed to be covering is not there you know, and she's leaving. And they've told her several times, you need to come prepared, bring your Advil, bring your heating pad, bring whatever you need. But you can't just like leave work in the middle. Now, granted, I think some people have excruciating pain that's probably, you know, out of the the normal. But I don't also want to think like, I mean, Laura, you're a teacher. Haven't you had to teach? with cramping and headaches and all these things and you still got to put on a song and dance and act totally normal
0: yes through COVID we taught through COVID yes (laughs) through a screen but like I still had to be there and active and I had I had another day where I had two kids with fevers in the same room as me with a fever teaching on screen like I told (laughs) I told the kids I was like I am barely available today but let's let's make it happen together and I think people are willing to I think there's a difference between accommodations that help you get things done and accommodations that keep you from living. There are different kinds. So I, I have a story. Oh my God, mom, I hope you're not mad, but I'm sharing this. She only <laughs> told me this yesterday and I hope it's okay, mom. <laughs> <laughs> mom told me that when she was little, she, she went to two different elementary schools. And when she was younger, she went to an elementary school with a horrible principal, horrible. This lady apparently had like crazy hair and very like large, loud not very loving person like 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 the Miss Trunchbull of (laughs) Egyptian elementary schools and mom told me that she went to school every day and she would throw up at the gates and then she'd go into school oh my god I was like mom like this was like years she was like yeah it was like for years I would arrive at school throw up from the nerves go in and begin my schooling and I was like what about Teta like didn't Teta you know accommodate you yes (laughs) oh Teta is not the top tub top kind. <laughs> like there, <laughs> there was going to be no oh Habitsi, you're gonna be okay. Like just
1: she said, here. get it out your system and get going. Let's <laughs> <I'll> just go. <laughs> like,
0: and I feel like you know. And she said that when she went to the second elementary school, that very different principal was a sweetheart, treated her like a princess, and like her mood changed and everything. But mom is a very courageous person in general. Like she tries a lot of things that I hesitate to do, and I feel like some of that came from that kind of like. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Bleeding. You can do it. Throwing up. You can do it.
1: Like you. Can so do- I want you to know that Laura. I think maybe it's our parents' generation because my mom, um, and I say this as kindly as possible. She was not kind to me when I didn't want to do something. Like, like, and I'm talking about anything socially or like academically or whatever. So if I said I'm afraid to go on this ride, for example, and we're at the fair. She'd be like, no, you're going to do it and you're going to enjoy it. Watch, just get on. And I'd be like, I don't want to. And she'd be like, no, I'm getting on with you. We're both going to go. I mean, I'm not afraid of adventure now. I'm not afraid of like any, like, I'm not afraid of heights. I'm not afraid of motion. I'm not like, I don't experience any of those things because my mom did not allow it. When I learned to swim, my dad's way of teaching me was he would pick me up and throw me in the pool and he'd be like, good luck. You know, (laughs) I wish I was exaggerating, but that's literally how I learned to swim
0: but I think now, for me, like I had the opposite, where not opposite. That's a lie. Okay, let me rephrase <laughs> it. I really enjoy listening to my feelings now. <laughs> I guess that's what I want to say. I really enjoy being like, no, I'm not gonna do that today. And no one can make it, you know. Like I think there is some of that too. Like I um Yeah, I feel like I don't know. The same parents also filled us with a lot of fears about a lot of other things.
1: Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. My
0: my mom, also part of our conversation yesterday, my cousins went walking to um, downtown in our very small hometown, like very, very tiny hometown, has a downtown area. Uh, It's literally like a strip mall, but like classy. Anybody who's been to Charlottesville will know what I'm talking about. And they, the four or five cousins and sisters walked Went walking downtown in the dark at night or whatever, and mom was like, "Oh, we were so worried about them. Thank God!" Like, um, Peter, one of the husbands, went with them. I was like, "Mom, these are like thirty-year-old women, <laughs> like, yeah. and they're like in a group already. Like, they didn't have to have Peter. Like, it's okay. So, like, that's at what the- point are we not terrified?"
1: <laughs> so, there's that's the thing though that I I struggle with because I can see both sides of this, right? Like I can see acknowledging the fear or acknowledging the discomfort, but, and, and I think that sometimes it's good to listen to your body when you know that something doesn't feel right and something isn't uncomfortable. That is something that I try to teach my kids. For example, like we have the culture of, you have to say hi to everybody, right? Right but I don't know what it is about kids. They're intuitive. Like there's some people who just make them uncomfortable. I am not going to tell them you have to do this thing that makes you uncomfortable with things like that. That's, I think this is where it becomes like a challenge drawing the line between what is okay to avoid and what is not okay and becomes accommodative parenting. And so I often think, you know, like there's so many times that my kids are like, I don't want to do schoolwork and I hate it and I don't want to try it. And I don't want to, no, but this is for your benefit. You can, you can feel like it sucks and you can feel like you hate it. You can feel like it's hard, but none of those things are going to stop you from having to do it. There's and, a difference.
0: And I think you're touching on something really important, which is kind of like our first, <laughs> back to our first episode, which is what is the purpose and what are the goals that you have in your parenting? Because mm-hmm. if your goal is to raise adventurous kids, right, then you throw them in the pool. If your goal is to raise, um, you know, educated kids, then you make them do their schoolwork. If your goal is to raise holy children who are godly people, then you drag them to church when they don't want to. And I think, um, oh, I, I there was this amazing, um, there was this amazing reel yesterday, which is about strong-willed children and how strong-willed children they always like give you trouble and they never do what they're told and blah blah but the real is about how the solution we always give is to give them choices right like let them feel like they're in control um, mm-hmm. give them choices this particular real said um the the best thing she ever did with for her strong-willed child is not give him choices or put him at the center but teach him that he's part of a team and that the team is working together and in that, that way he volunteers to be part of the bigger picture, chose him the bigger picture. And I think that's kind of where the accommodation comes in as well. Like it is okay to have an accommodation that involves like having different people or tools to support you when you're going through something difficult, right? Like, I don't think it's accommodation if that girl who knows who to go to, if she's forgotten to bring her pad today, right? Like it's yes. that's not an accommodation. That's we're a village, we help each other. It, it, you know, it's a different use of that word. But it is an accommodation if we say, oh, honey, it's okay. Stay home for a week. You know, like that's, mm. that is not, that's a kind of accommodation that is destructive, right?
1: Right, right. So the
0: bigger picture, showing them the bigger picture and giving them people, other people connection.
1: I completely agree. And then, so one of the reasons that this article brought up accommodative parenting. So um, as predicted, they said that one of the, like, if you remember the title of the article was Why Are Teens So Sad?, And as predicted, one of the greatest, um, you know, factors in this was social media use. This is something that we've seen a long time coming. We've all observed it. We've all been a part of it. We know that this is true, right? So, how does this play into accommodative parenting? Well, one of the things that it said was that a child is on social media. And their brain is growing up very fast on social media, okay? So they're getting on and they're acquiring information and seeing things and learning things at a very ridiculous rate. Then they get off their phone and here they are in real life. Their parents are not requiring them to do chores. They don't have to do anything that's difficult. They are uncomfortable and their parent says, that's okay, you don't have to do it. So what happens is they are actually slowing down their growth. So their brain growth rate and their body growth rate are not matching. And it ends up contributing to this sadness, to this depression, because they're not able to keep up with the demands of life. Like they're taking in all this information and then they don't know how to deal with life as it it happens in front of them. Right. Which I thought was such an interesting connection. Yes. Yes.
0: You know, and I think that's one of the things I talked about is how the kids have access to all of the world's doom, right? And Mm -hmm. without the tools to be present (laughs) and to learn to value today here in your own house, in your own school, with your own friends, right? You're busy being occupied with a war far away, which is what bored adults used to do when they read the news, read the newspaper at age 40. Like that's what you did to amuse yourself, not run your entire life based on yes, right? So, yeah, I think that um, I remember that in Sunday school, many years back, maybe five, five, six years back, some of the teenagers came and were like, can we have like a practical life class? Like, yes, I've never cooked. I've never made laundry. I've never like done my laundry. I've never done this. I've never done that. And I remember when they told me that I was like, wow. I mean, that was true for me, too. I was pretty spoiled as a kid, but. But it made me change the way I parented. And now like my kids can do their own laundry. My kids can cook a few meals, you know, like they can, they have a few things that they can do. Um, And I feel like that's part of it is training them on real life. Um, Mm -hmm. And again, it goes back to giving them the tools to handle the regular things that happen. That's That's
1: the word. That's the word, giving them the tools because exactly what I envision is, you're you're getting all of this data about life is hard, life is hard, life is hard. But then you have zero tools to face those challenges when you encounter them in your daily life. And by the way, we're not even talking about big challenges. We're talking about you're out of clean clothes. <laughs> what do I do? You know, I, like the basic th- things, there's a lot of parents who are not requiring their kids to do anymore. And I think it also comes from our own generation who finds it easier to just do things ourselves. You know, we were given so many tasks that you just had to do yourself that you got used to doing it yourself. So now we are tasked with this responsibility of being okay, not being the one doing it ourselves and also teaching our kids to be able to do things, you know, for themselves. It's very it's definitely a challenge. It can be a big challenge.
0: And I think that you know, the way to do it kind of the intuitive parenting way is to give the, ch- like to face each challenge as it comes, you know, for example, uh, my aunt passed away last year and my kids came to the funeral. It was a very important funeral. And one of my cousins was like, I've never seen kids at a funeral. Like what, like what's, why are they here? Like, is everything okay? Like, are you sure they should be here? I was like, first of all, they're priest's kids. This is not even their first funeral. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Second of all, they're members of the family. This is an important member of our family. And we are all going to go through this tough day together, Grief. all together, of us. Yeah. I'm not going to leave them. Because I remember being a kid and mom and dad were very, that's, I guess, something that they accommodated me on. But they were very anti us going to funerals. Like Anything they could do to keep us from going to a funeral, they would do. Any excuse, any, any way that they could just dump us somewhere else. Um And I felt like it was... I didn't even know what to do at a funeral until I was 30 something, right? Like it felt like such a foreign space. And I, I think it's good for our kids to go through life with us and go through these challenges with us, whatever they happen to be, whatever God sends in the path, we're not going to invent reasons for them to go do hard things necessarily. I mean, I feel like that is the American way, but yeah. it's not my way. <laughs> I'm not going to go invent a challenge for us to go do, mm. but whatever challenges are coming, we are going to we are going to face them together
1: i i completely agree that we need to to show them we need to pave the way of how we deal with challenges but this also comes with a lot of self work because Maybe you grew up in a family that does not deal with challenges appropriately. Like, So you have to do the work on yourself in order to teach your, your kids how to deal with it, in order to set a good example of how to deal with challenges. And I know for me, that's something that I definitely have to work on constantly. A lot of this stuff is very counterintuitive to me. A lot of this stuff I have to like consciously think, do not do it like this. You need to do it like this. And so that is actually one of my biggest challenges with my kids is I have to teach them things that I didn't learn. So it's and they're inevitably going to have things that they are going to have to teach that they didn't learn. Like I'm not going to do a perfect job. I'm aware of that.
0: I, but, I think that's I, the other thing that I'm like really worried about is we don't know the result of a lot of different things. I feel like exactly. I was watching a uh, the the way you phrase that. I watched there was another reel where this woman was like you're, you're amazing. You're a pioneer. You're the first, um, you're the first set of parents to apologize to their kids when they handle things poorly, like good for you. We're so proud of you. And I was like, we don't even know what that's going to do to the kids later. Like Mm -hmm. one of the things I think it was in this article, maybe it was a different one. Our anxiety about our parenting is giving our kids anxiety, (laughs) like, like, which I was like, Oh, great. Like (laughs) another thing to worry about. (laughs) But I mean, I think It's inevitable that we will be leaving fingerprints on our children. Yeah. We're all just trying to do our best.
1: For sure, for sure. And I guess that this is a good kind of stopping point for it right here is that, you know, we want to encourage you. We already say this all the time. We have no idea what the effects of what we're going to be doing now are in the future. But we do want our kids, we know that a common goal is we want our kids to be able to handle life, right? We want them to not be overwhelmed by basic things. We understand that there are some, you know, circumstances that are out of the ordinary. But we do want to encourage you that it is okay to let your kids be comfortable. And this term of gentle parenting does not mean that your children are never going to be upset. It just means that, yes, we don't want to scream at them, but we can help them handle hard situations and walk them through it and talk them through it. So good luck to all of us out there as we are trying to navigate all of this stuff. Um, and if you get a chance, please read this article. Um, oh sorry it was called why are teens so sad on the atlantic it's a great article
0: yeah awesome thank you so much we'll talk to you all next week raising up cops is a production of coptic dad and mom this podcast is hosted by laura michael and madonna lawindi none of the views expressed during this recording are the official stance of the coptic orthodox church or its hierarchy these are our personal opinions collected experiences and organic discussions on selected topics If you'd like to reach out with any questions or comments, you can reach us at raisingupcops at gmail.com.